This podcast has bad words in it. You have been warned. I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Dude, so is uh, is your son going to run down there and play drums in the middle of this podcast? Oh, you'll hear it if he does. Yeah, he's going to run down and play Phil Collins down here, so... <laughs> oh lord yeah i remember you were telling me uh you told me like a day or two ago that phil collins is what made him want to be a drummer i can actually kind of relate to that because um my parents were like huge huge phil collins and genesis fans yeah, uh, yeah. my mom specifically um i i don't even uh like I, I don't think they would even acknowledge genesis but before phil collins which is like you know, when I was really into prog music and stuff, which I still am, but it's like, you know, that's the gist is that's awesome. Is the gist is before Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, so I I can relate to that. I think, but your son is obviously, I'm sure he's playing the in the air tonight. Oh, that's the, exactly what it is. Yeah. So I've had all my instruments down here, and I'm I'm in the basement now, as you already made fun of me for. This is my unofficial office down here because my wife has the office upstairs. Um, and I've actually substituted. I'm actually, my computer's on a Tupperware bin right now. That's how, uh, <laughs> I know you're going to make perfect. fun of me. So I used to have, um, we have patio furniture that, that goes out and obviously it's spring now. So during the winter, the patio table down here is my little desk. And then I, uh, I just brought that up, you know, it's starting to get warm. So I brought that outside a few weeks ago. So now I'm literally on, you know, uh, um, like a lawn chair and this is set up on some two Tupperware bins. <laughs> so is the is the drum throne more comfortable than the lawn chair because you could probably just sit on that yeah that probably would be better but no no back support on that though oh you know. yeah yeah you got yeah you know, i i could never sit in the ones that had the back on them like i looked at them for a long time and i i don't know i always felt weird sitting on those yeah maybe maybe get a little too comfortable with that but but yeah so my kid uh basically you know like i said i've had instruments down here and i've been a musician for years and years and he loves music loves 80s metal loves all that stuff um but i couldn't really get him to get into an instrument like a guitar or bass or drums um he, he kind of picked up on keyboard a couple of years ago so he's pretty good at that um and then i don't know like he started sort of getting on the electronic drum kit i got down here and then maybe like a week or two ago um we put on uh phil collins in the air tonight and that drum fill came in the one that everybody knows or do 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 yeah. do do and he just picked right up on that and before i know it i've been hearing that thing like day in and day out on my electronic drum kit to the point that i signed him up for drum lessons and he just started this week so that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome man well i hope hopefully he picks up on it you know and uh, I, I know when you and I were talking on, on text or whatever, you were like, I've been waiting for this moment. Like, I just want to jam with them. You're going to end up like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Scott Ian and his son. I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How they're it's always amazing. jamming and stuff. And yeah, it's funny how you just said that too. I've been waiting for this moment, right? That's the Phil Collins lyrics, right? Yeah. Why yeah. That's all <laughs> this moment. <laughs> have you seen him lately? Uh, Phil Collins. Yeah. I looked him up lately. I think he's had some health issues, right? Yeah, dude. So Genesis actually just played their last concert ever, like last week. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And 
uh he's like on this tour they've been doing he's been sitting in a chair like his back's all messed up and you know he for years he had hearing problems um that he'd been dealing with but now his back's all messed up and um and and like i saw this video i mean he was just like his son has actually been playing drums for them yeah that's right because i heard he couldn't play drums anymore right can't yeah and so i guess his son's been playing which is pretty cool um you know uh because usually they have chester thompson um who actually he lives in nashville oh um, and i've met him several times when i used to work at a a music store he would we would do this drum off thing and he would come in and be one of the judges and he he's he's the drummer for phil collins for genesis super nice nice um but uh but yeah his but phil collins son has been playing but uh yeah he's been sitting in a chair on this tour and then when they walked off the stage he's got like a cane and he's all hunched over it's kind of sad to see man yeah that's that's rough but yeah i mean i guess you know it's good that he's got the, his son filling in and we kind of said that with my son too my drummer found out he says hey well i'm getting a little up there so for our band if we need uh, your son to, to take over right <laughs> i thought i was gonna fill yeah. in for your drummer oh that's right okay yeah All right. <laughs> or maybe we'll have a drum off it'll be you versus him and he'll do in the air tonight and we'll see what you can come up with after that uh, <laughs> i gotta get my chops back up yeah yeah uh, one thing i thought was interesting about um about your son in his lessons was uh like you said that they started they he started off just like actually playing like and and i remember i took drum lessons i started when i was like 10 or something and uh and man i didn't touch a drum kit for a long time it was all like fundamentals and um you know, learning that, learning yeah. single stroke rolls double stroke rolls paradiddles all that stuff yeah. and it was like it's boring but i was like man it's kind of cool to hear uh, and i had a great teacher um, yeah shout out to Shu, who was my uh that was his nickname <laughs> oh, okay who was my old drum teacher but uh um but uh but yeah like it's it's really cool to hear that he's actually like lesson one getting to sit down and and jam out and stuff yeah that's kind of the vibe of this place i guess so it's it's called downright music is the place but they they kind of have a jam vibe so they're really interested in and he even said specifically that that like you know a lot of places will start out like that doing the paradiddles and the drum pads and you know, I kind of assumed he'd go in there and he'd come out saying, hey, dad, I know how to hold the sticks, you know, but it was more yeah. like we took a walk outside and then the doors were open of this place. So we kind of peeked in and I heard him, you know, again, he's playing that drum fill. So the, I guess they started out with my son doing a simple beat with just the, the kick and the snare. And then this guy was counting time like one, two, three. And then he was putting in the air tonight, like the fill in the end of his simple beat. So he was teaching him how to keep time and put the fill in the end. So it's kind of cool. So they jumped right in, man. So yeah, it was cool. You ought to bring them, uh, you know, around the country, they have those like rock and roll fantasy camps. You see? Oh yeah. 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 There's, they have one of those in Nashville. Um, there's, they have one of those facilities, of course, because it's music city. Yeah. But, uh, a couple of times Dave Mustaine has shown up there. Oh, wow. Because he lives here. So yeah, yeah, man. Who doesn't live there? I guess. Right. You got, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of funny, man. And like, Nashville's a funny place too because like everybody just associates it with country music and it, yeah. very rightly so like it's very very obviously country music industry is here but there's I mean a lot of people like live here who are not who have nothing to do I mean you know Jack White you I've seen that dude yeah. walking around town a whole bunch um you know I mean there's a lot of different people that live here the Black Keys who have nothing to do with country music you know Dave Mustaine so yeah yeah you know, it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's fun city to live in. Yeah. 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 It sounds awesome. 
so what what i guess while we're talking music and uh, by the way you're the uh a few weeks ago i had thorn on and he was the my first return guest well you're the second oh wow okay <laughs> i'm honored but also disappointed i didn't get a chance to get a jab at him first you know well so. you know like <laughs> or a return we, jab at him <laughs> we joked on that episode that he's probably the that he would be the first like yeah of course um to come back on but i bet most people would take bets that you'd be the second so yeah and i'm thinking uh, uh jp reinflesh right we got to take a shot now he'll probably be the next return guest right <laughs> luckily i haven't gotten a crap about him not being a dad so about being a parent so <laughs> yeah yeah because you know i broke that rule and but i think uh, it was worth it it, it was, was worth it. it was a really good conversation so yeah i um, did listen to it it was great so yeah thanks for listening bro I all right <laughs> <laughs> but um before you know before we talk about some of your writing stuff but uh like what, what's going on with you in the music world uh, well, I actually practiced last night. That's why I'm a, a little bit hoarse because I was kind of, I don't know, singing some stuff. But yeah, so um, I think you had seen my band play last fall. We yep. did a, a fest called Furnace Fest. Uh, and we've got two sold out Connecticut shows, which is where we're, we're pretty much from, although we're kind of spread out now. And those are coming up next month in May. Um, so we've got those. They were already rescheduled, I think, either once or twice. So they're finally going to happen in May. Yeah, they're going to happen. Just, yeah, they're going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're going to happen. So, um, and I'm bringing my kid too. He's never seen me play anything. Oh, that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he can air drum in the background. But, um, and then uh, we actually just booked another show in Brooklyn, New York in June. Uh, so we're going to do that. So that's kind of on the live front. And then uh, also in May, uh, we're going to be recording a new record that we've kind of been working on for at this point about two years, but we're actually going to officially record, you know, the music for it next month um which would be pretty cool so um and that's also in may it's uh, our bass players from seattle and our singers from rhode island or at least now so basically everyone's going to converge and we're going to do the shows do the record so may will probably be not not a productive month as far as the writing goes but it'll be a fun one for music <laughs> so i was going to ask where everyone was at so your bass players in seattle yeah yeah he's the he's the farthest um his wife does have relatives here in Connecticut, so he'll probably be able to see them at the same time. So that'll kind of make sense to have him travel and do that too, you know? Now, do you find that, you know, cause the last time I was in a band was like, I don't know, when, when did I like 2010, 2011 was when I kind of quit playing music. Um, and obviously technology was a thing. Like we recorded on our computer and stuff, but it wasn't like it is now where, like you have all the, the, the video conferencing and it's, it's just so easy to record and stuff remote. Now, do you feel like that, like just makes it a lot easier for you guys to be spread out? Like, of course we're talking about a bass player. So like, it's, you know, that's not, it's not like that matters that much, but uh, <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm supposed yeah, to be yeah. defending bass players as a drummer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, sometimes people crap on drummers too. Right. So they know. do. I have to crap <laughs> I just had this conversation yesterday as a quick aside with, uh, I think my wife and son, I said, you need, you know, drummers are in high demand because if you have a bad drummer, it doesn't matter how good the other guys are, then your band kind of sucks. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. you got to have the drummers, the backbone, right? It's, it's crucial. Like you got to have a good drummer, you know? Hey, and but, um, women love drummers. Yeah, there I'm you go. Throw that out there too. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's a bonus. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but, but yeah, as far as is what you're saying there with the question. Um, yeah. I mean, we've kind of, um, this time around, we've done things a little differently um, where like me and my brother's the other guitarist 
And even the drummer, he also plays bass and guitar. So we, we've all been kind of uh, demoing stuff out at our own houses and then bringing it to practice. That's so awesome. we've kind of been doing that. And then also to your point, um, just this morning, like, like I said, we practiced last night. And when I say practice, it was just me, my brother and the drummer because we're the Connecticut guys. So we got in a room, you know, guitars and drums and kind of started, you know, shaking the dust off, as I said. And we sent a few videos of the songs to our bass player in Seattle. So he could kind of say, oh yeah, that, those are the songs we're doing, you know. I don't know. So just stuff he can watch and be like, oh, yeah, that's how we play that. Because it's been, you know, 10 years since we played that song. So. Well, and, re and really, to be honest with you, like, especially just for bass tracks, and I'm not I'm not dissing bass players because bass is super important. Um, though one of my favorite jokes is I, I love that movie, that thing you do. Mm -hmm. That's like one of yeah. my favorite. That's one of my favorite movies. And I love how uh, uh, what Ethan Embry's character, you know, he's the bass player in the movie and that's his name. What, like, the bass player? He's just, the, seriously, they never say his name. He's just the bass player. And if you look in the credits, it just says TB player. There we go. Like, he, yeah. they literally don't name him the whole movie. <laughs> he's just the bass player. But Yeah, um, it's, it's funny, actually. We had somebody, I uh, won't go too deep in the specifics, but I remember there was one show in, I think it was Texas we played, and there was this woman in the crowd who had a little too much to drink. And, you know, we were in our 20s at that point, so she had to be old the way I am now right so in her 40s or 50s and I think her husband or whoever significant other was there and she was just enamored with our bass player so she got right up in the front row pushed through everybody and just kept saying hey bass player and she's yelling for him trying to, get <laughs> trying to play and she's like she's like she's like come on over here look at me she's <laughs> so we were man we busted his stones for the whole tour about that <laughs> like, hey bass player <laughs> I mean he is a strapping looking dude yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, smooth guy, you know. So. But, <laughs> but what but what I was gonna say was like the way things are now, he wouldn't really need to come there to record. Yeah, you're right. He is going to, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, he could technically do stuff there and kind of along those lines, even with like you know, you know, like guest vocal parts and stuff from like yeah. you know, other other bands. Like we're hoping to uh we've got a bucket list um guest vocalist in mind that I won't save just to uh ruin it in case it doesn't happen and yeah. we haven't even asked and i don't even know this person yeah. but it's one of my favorite bands and we have a song written the working title is the name of this band and we're like just hoping that this guy will agree to do it like this singer will agree to do a, yeah. a guest spot so it, it would make my life so we'll see <laughs> yeah no that would be that would be really awesome like if, yeah you know and, and and like you're saying that that is an advantage is you can do those things and it's so much easier just to sense my track and like uh, so a lot of people just have the stuff at their house on their laptop yeah and they could just yeah. plug a microphone and get good sound and um and, and be able to do that stuff so yeah yeah they know. can make theme songs up for walking with zach or whatever they want to do right? <laughs> <laughs> now we're going deep on inside yeah that's a little deep <laughs> but but no that's that's really cool so um so like obviously i know for you the music is kind of like it's kind of a part-time thing, but I mean, you guys have, well, you guys are, you know, this, this, you guys have a record deal, you know, you guys have a company who's put game behind, like, are, how much are they expecting you to play live or how much are you guys going to like, you guys uh, aren't going to tour. Are you? Uh, I guess we're going to do as much as we can, yeah. you know, conceivably given that we all have families, jobs, whatever. So, and that's the really cool thing is this label, I guess since we kind of put in the work back in the day and we were full-time, yeah. we've kind of made, you know, somewhat of a name for whatever we are. 
So they've been real low pressure on like the shows that we have to do. And we really don't have any requirements. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just really, it's a really cool deal. Like they're going to, they already re-released um, one of our old albums from 2004, um, which is, I think we had it at the show. It was one of the ones that you went to. Yeah. Uh, so that's already out and this will be the new album, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, we haven't really discussed. There's no stipulations on you have to play this amount of stuff or anything. So that's real cool. low pressure and real awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just so interesting in this time where, um, you know, record sales are basically non-existent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so many people, you know, like, again, you guys aren't trying to be full time, but, you know, you, that your income is kind of dependent on getting on playing shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I guess um, I will say, you know, obviously everything's streaming now, but with the this punk hardcore stuff, uh, vinyl does sell, yeah. you know, fairly well. So they're that's pretty much what they're pressing is the vinyl. And then obviously it'll be on streaming and all that stuff too. Yeah, that's but. true. Yeah. Cause a lot, there are a lot of people who will absolutely buy the vinyl. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm having sometime over the next couple of weeks, we haven't scheduled anything. We're, we're getting together tomorrow. Um, I actually just found out he moved right by me and I had no idea, but um, I'm going to have my buddy Kelby on the show who like JP is also not a dad. So I'm okay, breaking that yeah. rule again, but he's just such a cool dude. Uh, but he um, he plays he's he's uh, in a band called the Cadillac Three, which is uh, they're like a country really good country rock band. They're on um, I don't I don't know how much you know if you know Big Machine, um, okay. which is a huge label. It, I mean, like Taylor Swift is on Big Machine. Wow. Okay. There we go. Um, so they're on Big Machine, and um, cool. or they were at least I think they still are. But um, I'm gonna have him on, which will be a really really good conversation. He plays. Uh, bass and lap steel so oh, okay um but it'll be yeah so it'll be kind of cool to talk to him about some of the uh you know what it what it's like to really be like a touring musician and stuff now because they go out and tour um actually i was at a um i was uh, there was an outdoor hockey game here in nashville a uh, few like last i guess february it was um and uh it's crazy, man. They were like Miranda Lambert played out there and, you know, who's one of the biggest country music stars. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know her. Yeah. They were promoting her concert and like Cal Calac 3 were supporting it. So wow. I was like seeing them up on the screen and stuff in front of 75,000 people. I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, that's really cool. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how the landscape is now, you know, as far as the touring and all that. Obviously, it's different. I mean, you know, we, like we might have said, I mean, back when we were full time, we were actually able to make some money off CDs. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. But um, they yeah. had a and one thing I'm going to ask him about, too, is they had a really cool moment a few years ago. So the the two other guys in his band are like pretty prominent songwriters here uh, in Nashville and Jaron, the singer, he's written number one hits for like Keith Urban and Dirks Bentley and stuff. Oh, wow. But um, I believe it was Jaron uh, uh, co-wrote Steven Tyler's country album with him. Oh, wow. And, awesome. um, and Steven Tyler was here for a while and Calac three played a local show and he came up on stage with them and they did sweet emotion. Oh man, that's yeah. yeah talk about a cool guest spot. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I can't top that one. Yeah. I mean, do you like I, I know your situation is different than some of the other guys? And obviously you have a family, but you also have a very um, you know, like flexible job. Like, would you want to even would you even want to tour now that much? Um, I'd be up for, I mean, we've talked about wanting to see places that we never got to like go to Australia or Japan, stuff like that. That would be kind of, again, bucket list stuff that we never got to do back in the day. 
Um, so that'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see myself being a road dog anytime soon. I was going like, to say, like, could you see yourself, you know, now like getting, like getting in the van and just going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably for shorter stints, but I think, you know, it'll probably be out of my control anyways, just the way things, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I could see doing a few weeks a year or something like that, or maybe more, yeah. but I mean, we'll just have to see, you know, it really depends on people's vacation schedules and all that. Yeah. It's funny, man, as you get older, like, I feel like, you know, when you're in your twenties, that is like the time of your life. When you jump in a van with your buddies and go like pl play shows in places you've never been. I mean, it's, it's really kind of a feeling that's hard to describe and the memories you make are amazing, but it's, it's freaking hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's like we always say it was the highest highs and the lowest lows. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you have days where you're just like, Oh man, we're driving 15 hours on no sleep. And you know, like one Taco Bell burrito on our stomach. And then, you know, and then other days, like you're in front of all, like one of our highlights was getting to play with uh, Alice in Chains over in Europe at a fest. And Oh, really? Maybe I already, I don't know if I mentioned, but yeah. I don't we, think I, you I, mentioned that. I don't yeah, think you've ever so, told me that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So over, we did Europe for six weeks back in 2006. And um, over there, they just kind of mash all the genres together in these huge fests, as you probably know. So we got to play with uh, Alice in Chains and Motorhead was on one of them. Oh, wow. Uh, in Flames, where they could actually use pyrotechnics. Where, what festival so, was this? Um, was one it of one of the was, big ones? It was, was it like Download or something? Uh, I don't think it was Download. One of them was called Hellfest, I think. Like a Hellfest, different Hellfest. Yeah, Hellfest. I know there's one over here in the States. No, but the have. one over there is bigger. Yeah, that might have been the one. I think Corn was supposed to be on it when we were over there, but they might have dropped. But um, yeah, I'd have to look up the name of the Fest Alice and Chains was on. That's but, one of the three yeah. big ones over there for that type of music. Because there's Download, there's uh, Hellfest, and then uh, uh, Watain or Vatain, the one in Germany. Okay. It's yeah. a huge festival too over there. Yeah, there's, there's a whole ton. They're, they call them the Open Air Fests, right? Yeah, so, the Open Air Festivals. Yeah. yeah like so Bloodstock one, yeah. is, you know, another one of those big ones, obviously. Yeah. So th for this one, you know, Alice and Chains is playing and we had our our badges around our necks, obviously, because we're in a band that played. Um, and it was almost like a Wayne's World moment, man. We, we went went backstage and like the security was there. We're like holding up our badges like uh, like Wayne's World. And I went right on stage and I literally knelt on stage next to Jerry Cantrell while he's playing. I was like maybe, you know, five feet away from him. Awesome. So I'm sitting there on stage with thousands of people out there and I'm looking over to set list, seeing what they're playing next. And I was like, man, this is just it doesn't get better than this. this no, that's like amazing. It was actually one of their amazing. I think it was their first tour with the new singer too. Um, yeah, and, who I uh, love. By the I way, love I, him too. Yeah, he's I, great. I do. But I saw today actually is the day we're recording. You know, today is twenty years since Lane died. Wow, no kidding. It's so funny you yeah. brought that up. Yeah. yeah, that is a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. But that's <clears throat> dude. That's that's crazy. You should have said to Jerry. You should have said, "Hey, you're that guy from Jerry Maguire." Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, was that in the movie? He was in the movie Jerry Maguire. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, it's been he was, a while. He, like, there's there's a scene near the beginning of the movie. It's like when Tom Cruise wrote that big memo that he's the one that ends up getting him fired. Uh, he goes into a, a cop, a Kinkos or something, and the guy behind the counter making the copies is Jerry Cantrell. <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. he has some really. I gotta like, revisit that. He's got some really bonehead line in there, like some surfer dude line, but it's it's really funny. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah. So that, that was, that was the close I got. And Motorhead was amazing on, you know, they just got, so I got to see Lemmy, whatever. And we were right in the, we were able to get right near the front row when they played like out in the audience. Um, and I just remember like they came out on stage and like, there was no, 
you know, hey, we're Motorhead, nothing. They just came on stage and let me pick up the bass one. Doo, 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 they started playing and the crowd was just you know, going crazy. So it was that. And like I said, in flames, watching them, the drummer had, um, you know, his kick pedal hooked up to like pyrotechnics. So it was like, yeah. doo, 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 and like the, you know, everything's shooting out. And we watched them from like a balcony and just watching the crowd and everything from that angle was just amazing. So yeah, there was, they're, I've seen them yeah. a few times. They're a great band. Yeah, they're awesome. So. Yeah, it's it's funny, man. Like, um, you know, there's a there's definitely some bucket list bands I have, um, and and it's uh, like I, I Motorhead wasn't a bucket list band, but they would have been awesome to see. Um, my biggest one was Pantera. Like, oh yeah. Um, and that was that was a band I never got to see that I'm, I really wish I'd gotten to see. And then, but even recently, man, like I've put off twice seeing Foo Fighters, and now I'm like. Shit. yeah i know that's such you know a, such a like bummer there yeah and 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 they were they're really like one of the last true like arena rock bands yep and exactly yeah who knows if they're gonna carry on like i don't know, I, I, I don't know man like, yeah i know it's yeah it's um i did see them in new york city maybe five or seven years ago they played an outdoor concert in the city in central park or something that was free with neil young i think huh. some kind of benefit and my brother got tickets and there was a limited number but they were free so I did get to see the Foo Fighters, which was pretty cool. I, I really, I tried. So I don't know if you remember, there was a great documentary series that came on HBO several years ago called Sonic Highways. I do remember it. I don't think I actually saw it though, but Dude, he wrote the record around that, right? It's amazing. Right? Yeah. So what it, what it was, it was mainly Dave Grohl, but like the whole band, they visited different cities and they yeah. told the whole history of music in that city. And then while they were there, they went and recorded a song with somebody who is local. So um, the Foo Fighters came or they did, they record a Nashville episode and they recorded a song with Zach Brown, who is one of my doppelgangers. I get confused for him. I've been confused <laughs> for him several times around town. Yeah. Um, but they did a like pop-up show at the Ryman. Um, oh, cool. And, and tickets were like $30. Wow. And the great. Ryman is, I don't know if, if you're familiar with it at all, but to me, I it's think I've heard best. you talk about it. Yeah. It, 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 to me, it's, it's the best place I've ever seen a concert and it would be really hard to find a better place. Like I'm sure Red Rocks out in Denver. I really, I'm sure that's awesome, but like the Ryman's just this old church and mm. it, it's, it's incredible. And, uh, I, but I couldn't get tickets. I tried, um, Oh man, that reminds me too of my, um, and I need to go back to my buddy, Kelby. He saw Metallica do a secret show when they, when they came here for Bonnaroo. Oh, cool. Because Bonnaroo is like an hour from me. Yeah. So like they did a secret show the night before at this place in Nashville called the basement. And the basement only fits like 70 people. And my, wow. my buddy yeah, Kelby. That's, that's insane. Metallica. I can't even imagine. He <laughs> saw Metallica in a room with like 70 people. Yeah, that that's just crazy. Yeah. So, but uh yeah, I don't even remember what we were talking about that led up to all that. But uh yeah, yeah I really I, I guess... really wish I'd seen Foo Fighters, but you know, it sucks about Taylor Hawkins. But yeah, and right after the movie too, the studio six six six. I don't I know. know if you saw that, but yeah, I know, man. Like, we just watched that. That was really good. Yeah, and they're just one of those bands that just does whatever they want. Like I, I, I'm not even a huge fan of their music, but I just love Dave Grohl so much. And, um, I just feel so bad for them right now. I mean, I just, you know, I read his memoir 
um, that came out last year. And I mean, most of the stories in there about Taylor Hawkins, I mean, they were best friends. Yeah. And now th- this yeah. dude's in a position where like, he might, he's been in two of the biggest bands in the world that may have both ended because of untimely deaths. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What are the odds there? Yeah. That's so hopefully they can do something, you know, um, yeah. we'll, we'll I, see. I, who knows though. I mean, they're so close. I don't know, but, um, I, I, but again, I'm sure that's not even his concern right now. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, dude, let's shift. I want to talk about your writing a little bit. So, um, cause like, you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on because me and you were chatting back and forth and you've got like some crazy anniversaries this year and co- coming up fairly soon, right? Yeah. So I realized um, that this is my 10 year anniversary of indie publishing. Uh, so my, and I, I looked up some stuff just to see, cause I, you know, I don't, I don't always think about this and then something will come up and I'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, really? You know, <laughs> it happens to be 10 years. So I published my first Kindle book um, on October 22nd, 2012. So it'll be 10 years since I started publishing this year. And then what I do kind of recognize every year is my writer anniversary is, is every May 1st, which is when I went full-time writing. And that was in 2013. So it'll be nine years full-time uh, in just a couple of weeks, actually. Um, and then it's 10 years, you know, this year since I've been publishing. So yeah, pr- pretty crazy, man. It's just <laughs> a decade. It just, I couldn't believe it when I kind of realized it. Dude, it's nuts. And it's, it's, I think we tend to forget like, 10 years is a long time. Like when you, when you look at like the fact that you've been able to do this, you know, and do it full time for as long as you have, which congrats on that. And thanks. Man. Um, I mean, and, and the cool thing is, I mean, you're, you're one of the few people that I know. Um, I mean, relatively, I mean, I guess I know more people that I'm saying, but like that I'm really close to who like that you, you, your all your income comes from your books like you're not doing courses and do like you're not side hustling other things as an author like you're it's royalties like is what you're what you're making your living off of which is even more awesome you know yeah yeah no complaints man yeah and it's and and you know kind of looking back over the 10 years it's like i think part of that again it's just you know like people have said before just building that back catalog right yeah so i think i have I had to count. Like I said, I, I don't really look at this stuff. And then I was thinking about it because of the 10 years. So I guess I've got 30 books out. That's um, awesome. Some of them are novellas though, you know, but yeah, 30 course. books and then some anthologies and uh, some, you know, a short story here and there. And in the past I've had like multi-author box sets, so I won't count those, but you know, that was other stuff that was out at, at one time, which probably helped, you know, find readers and stuff like that. So, but yeah, so that's where I'm at. So it just kind of gives you you know, it just kind of builds that, that, uh, that stability, I guess, in a way. Right. So every book adds to, adds to things. Exactly. And we, and we, you know, it's funny you said that because I was, I I did a thing the other day where I actually took all my books off my shelf Oh, nice. and, and I laid them all out on the floor (laughs) and with the covers up and I took a picture and I put it on the gram as, as the kids say. Yeah. Um, cause I was just kind of reflecting on, on all the stuff I've done and, um, it was crazy, man. I was just like, like, you know, this is, this is really an accomplishment, you know, cause so many people want to write a book and they never do. And I'm, you know, I'm up in the thirties as well. And, um, uh, was just like, but you know, we also have to remember, like we all start from zero. And, yeah, and, and as I was sitting absolutely. there looking at it, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, like, I'm so glad I started and I'm so glad yeah. that I didn't 
get overwhelmed. Not to say I didn't have moments of overwhelm or whatever, but I'm so glad that I stuck with it. And I understood in the beginning exactly what you just said. Like every, every book you put out is like another coal in the fire. It's just another, it's another thing you have that's going to earn you money for the rest of your life. Um, and it's, I don't know, it, it was, it was, it was really cool reflection. And it's, it's awesome to hear you say the same thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I kind of had another reminder of, you know, again, sort of like you're saying you laid everything out, whatever. And just that physical reminder of, wow, I did all this. That's kind of crazy, you know? And today actually, um, my contamination complete series came out, finally came out on audible. So it went live today. Yeah. I woke nice. up and I, I, I've been checking just to see, and it went live. So I was like, wow. And I've been kind of working on putting that together for well, a while now, but I was kind of reviewing that. I think last week or something, I took a few days because you imagine there's a lot of files that have to go into yeah. uploading that, right? So, so yeah, you're well, we've been talking and, about yeah. that. I've just been like, dude, it sounds like a nightmare. We, we won't go into it, but I know like, yeah, it's it something you've been work. working on for a minute. <laughs> for a yeah, while yeah, now. it yeah. took some work. And, and, and then when I had all the files in order, then I want to do a little quick spot check just to make sure you know, they're all in, in, in the right order, right? Like you don't want chapter two before chapter, you know what I mean? <laughs> Something wrong. And so I was just listening to all of them and I was like, wow, this is just a lot of material. I was like, this is, this was years of my life and here it is in one package. And it's just kind of crazy to look at it like that, you know? And that is really that, crazy. Yeah. So that, and that series took probably, I don't know, maybe three, four years. I mean, I kind of pecked away at other things in the meantime, but yeah, yeah and I, I started to look at it that way too, with the 10 years where, you know, I'll look at a specific series that I that I wrote and completed, and then I'll say, wow, for these years of my life, that's what I did. Like from 2018 to 2020, that was my sandstorm years. That was the series that I wrote. Or from, you know, 2016 to 2018, that was the ruins. And when you break it down like that, it's like, wow. So when I was this age and this age, this is what I did. Yeah. It's like, so you just see the years, you know, that they go by, but you can kind of see that product of it. Like, oh yeah, that was the era of this, you know? So, But it's so cool to stop and do that every now and then. Cause I, I know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm most, most, a lot of writers I know are like this and I, I'm definitely like this. I feel like I, I write a book and then I'm on to the next one and I kind of forget the last one. And it's funny. I'll get emails from readers who like will ask me about something that happened in like the fourth book of my empty body series. And I'm like, I wrote that in like 2016. Like I couldn't even begin to tell you like, what, Oh you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like what, what I don't remember. I don't even remember this. I don't remember what happens in that book. And here, here's kind of related to that. Um, when I was going through reviewing contamination, I noticed that I had a character named Hector, I think in one of the initial books. And then I had another character named Hector in book seven. And I didn't, <laughs> so I was like, Hey, these are two different Hectors. What's going on here? So I, I wouldn't have, it was enough time at a lapse or I just, it was a minor character in, in both instances. So, but yeah, you just, you do, you forget some of this stuff or so revisiting, you almost have like a little window into that period of your life. Like what you were thinking about, exactly. what you were into, like what the influence was when you're writing this specific thing. Um, and it's just really cool to, to look back and see that, you know, see, and I want to go back and read some of those older books for that exact reason. Cause I almost feel like for a lot of it, it would be like, it would be like, I'm so far separated from some of those older books now that it would be like reading something that I didn't write. Like, yeah, it would yeah. feel that way. I'm just scared to do it because I know I wrote it and I'm going to want to change shit. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah, that's what I said to uh, another buddy. I said, you know, I was simultaneously cringing and then saying, wow, I really had an imagination back then. <laughs> or like, you know, for that period, because there's stuff that, you know, your writing obviously will, will, will progress or you Absolutely. hope it does. So, but I, I think I just, I was able to sit back at 10 years or whatever since that and say, I can see the flaws, but I'm also, again, I'm just glad that I did it. And I just kind of went for it back then. Like there was this freedom in the beginning where, I didn't question everything or second guess myself as much. Um, whereas now I feel like I produce things a little more slowly because I deliberate over things a little more, but I also think I deliberate over the pros a little more to try to make it, you know, like I know some of those flaws. So I, I consciously try to make better pros, whether I succeed is the reader's opinion, but I mean, <laughs> you well, know what I mean? I don't remember who exactly said this and who I heard say it recently. It was probably someone on writer's Inc. It might've been JD, but you know, you have a lifetime to write your first book and like six months to write the second one. I think, JD yeah, said, yeah, right. I think I heard exactly. JD say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and you do, you do put like, like when I wrote Empty Bodies, it's funny when, when people, when I meet people and they're like, oh, I want to read something you wrote, I always assume they're going to go to that one because it's got the mm -hmm. most reviews on Amazon. It's, but that's the one I don't want people to read. I'm like, that's not yeah. representative of my writing. But then I have to kind of look back and be like, okay, it is what it is. I am a much better, more competent writer now, but like that story still resonates with people, whether the exactly. writing is really good yeah. or not, like those books still continue to make me a lot of money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's something to be said for that. And, and, you know, just like I said, just that, that, I don't know, just the uninhibited, like I just went for it back then and kind of, I think from, you know, you're saying the six month thing or something, um, for me, I, though, I did feel like I was producing things more consistently in a way because I wasn't you know, deliberating over everything as much, you know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. So it takes me longer now because, and I remember I read a, um, a blog, I don't know if I mentioned, talked about it with you or somebody else, but by uh, Russell Blake, you know, another uh, indie author. And he was just saying, the further I get into my career, the longer it takes me to produce a book. Yeah. And it's because it's almost like you look at it like a choose your own adventure. You say, well, there's so many plots I could do, but there's some that seem, there's probably no perfect plot, but there's some that seem better than others. You know, and I think in the beginning, I wasn't really thinking about that. I was just go, 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 um, you know, for better, for worse. And like you said, that that still resonates with people just that I just went for it. I didn't second guess, you know, no, so exactly. you just had an you idea know? and you just were kind of figure like fine by see your pants kind of figuring it out. Like I was the same way. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just I, I didn't overthink things. I didn't um, I hadn't read all these craft books at that point that I have now. Like, I mean, I definitely had read some and I definitely was trying to do things right, but it was like, just kind of learn on the job. But, but then you get to a point where you learn so much and it's almost in a lot of ways too. I mean, I, 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 I would assume too, that like just age and wiseness has something to do with it. It's, it's kind of like we we're talking about earlier when you're in your twenties, it's really easy just to like hop in the van and go. Yeah, and, and, and exactly, go be on yeah. tour and just like without a care in the world. But now it's kind of like, well, I have to be a little more meticulous now because I have, you know, um, a child and I have this, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of, this, it's, it's, it's similar in a way because, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. And the cool thing is, like I said, with the back catalog, like, because I've kind of built something, I kind of have a little more time to craft books yeah. or at least now, I mean, who knows what's going to change or what's going to happen day to day, but you do have a little more stability because you did the thing back then and kept doing the thing. Now I've got more time to kind of craft things the, the way I, I want to see, but I think that's um, a problem too. 
And, it is. And, and, yeah, and, it is. Cause there's not much of a deadline on it where I got to get this next thing out right now. It's, <laughs> so. Yeah. It's I, I, and I talk about this a lot with people where I'm like, you know, when I had a day job a lot, I feel like I was more productive when I had a day job than I am now. Mm-hmm. And because I had those time constraints, you know, and I was like, I got to get this out and I, you know, I have to get this done. I don't have much other time to work on it. And like, I was working towards this goal being full time. And I knew to do that. I had to get a lot of stuff out and build my back catalog. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's true. It, and it's, then I, it's yeah. a blessing and a curse because there exactly, is an awesome yeah. side to it too, where like you're, you know, you and I were having a conversation earlier that I won't go into on here, but you know, where I was, I'm kind of trying to think about what my next project's going to be. And there's one that's a little riskier. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe I'm finally in this position in my life where I can take that risk and write this thing I really want to write. And if it bombs, it's not going to hurt me that much because of the foundation I've built. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of buy yourself that time to be able to do some of the artistic things that you wanted to do, you know? Exactly. You know, and I feel the same way with like a trad pub, you know, I want to go after trad pub, but right now I feel like I'm kind of buying myself the time to be able to really pursue that, like write that book and then really pursue that, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's, time is just an interesting thing in general. Yeah. I mean, I used to have more rigid word counts, I think, whereas now I'm just concerned with always, like, I'm always busy. I'm a busy body. If you ask who, you know, I'm always, I'm always doing something. There's rarely a moment when I'm not. So, but I always just want to be progressing with whatever project that like, I want to be making progress every day on something if I can, but I'm not as stuck in like, I've got to hit this word count or I've got like a flexible schedule in my head where I'd like to hit certain targets, but I'm not going to like beat myself up if I don't hit them type of thing. So it's that work-life balance where I'm always moving forward, but like I'm able to go to my kid's uh, parent-teacher conference or something in the day. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep. There's that stuff too, which is uh, really cool to be able to do. Yeah. To me, that's the important stuff, you know? And, and I'm in the same place. Like I've talked about this a lot, but I, I quit chasing word counts and stuff a long time ago. Like for me, it's all about progress. Yeah. You know? Do you work on, you, you don't work on more than one project at a time, right? Uh, I don't. Yeah. There was a period of time where I kind of did, but I, I'm probably best working on one at a time. Yeah, I am too. Um, but I've got kind of a different process going now. Just talking about, I guess, you know, duration of time that I've been doing this, whatever. Yeah. And, <clears throat> what kind of changed for me, um, in the last couple of years, uh, well, what about a year actually was uh, Vela coming out, yeah. which we've talked about. And cause my latest project, um, zombie series alive again, I'm serializing it. So I'm kind of crafting it differently too, because I'm, I'm doing a finished chapter at a time and I'm going back and forth with my editor and getting it like totally solidified and then publishing it. So like, it's taking me longer to craft each episode, but by the time I reach the end, like the book's totally done. Yeah. Yeah, provided I don't hit any like uh, detours that I have to like backpedal, which hasn't happened yet. But uh, but yeah, yeah that's so- awesome, man. That's I mean, I, I can, you know, I, I've talked on Writers Inc. about the new process I've been doing. Where yeah, I, yeah. And I've talked to you about it where I, uh, you know, I, I start my day editing what I wrote the day before. And then yep. with this last book, I did that. And I, when I was on that last day, when I edited what I wrote the day before and I had nothing else left to write. I hit save and I shot my editor an email and I sent her the book. I didn't go back through it again. Yeah. And when before I would have finished the whole book and then I would have gone through and done several revisions and she, and she, she came back, sent me like very similar notes. And then I asked her, I was like, Hey, did that feel different? And she was like, 
no it actually she's like well if, did you do more editing because it feels like you did and i was like well actually yeah. i did less <laughs> and and um and we kind of talked back and forth she was like yeah she's like it seems like you were just really because you're doing the editing every day you were just in the story the whole time and you were able to just fix things easier along the go. And I, yeah. I loved it because I loved the process. So I was really excited. Yeah, it's the Dean Koontz method, right? So similar. <laughs> so, yeah, sort of. Little, little, kind of, sort of. Yeah. And, and that the other thing with this is, um, you know, we've talked about collaboration because I had, you know, one series that, that I was collaborative series. Um, now it almost feels like I'm sort of, because I'm writing this and passing it back and forth with my editor, who's just awesome. This editor is just great. Like she's had a lot of input into things. So it feels um, like collaboration. It does. It feels like collaboration. So some of, almost some of the tone that's kind of set in for this series that I'm doing, like a little of that was driven by her. Like I would do something that she liked and then we'd say, oh, that's really working. So then I'd kind of emphasize that more. So like some of the tone of the book has been kind of driven by this editorial process now. And like, I don't, I don't usually, I'm not a huge humor, humor guy as far as, I think in real life, I'm always having a bunch oh, you're of fun funny and making shit jokes. In real life. You're like the funniest motherfucker I know in real life. But, but I don't really put a lot of that into my yeah. books, I don't think. Like, I, I was very serious about it. Like the ruins, I had a character that was pretty funny or whatever. But now I'm just kind of embracing more of that humor lately and just, just going for it. And like, this editor was like, yeah, like you need that to break the tension. And I really like the way it's working in this plot. And so I've just really leaned into that with this series. And then I've got another book that's done right now that I know we've talked about, but at some point will hopefully come out. Um, and I just went for it. Which with the humor one? There. <laughs> yeah. Which one There's exactly. Right. Those out there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, okay. uh, but this one's very meta. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, a lot of my own life in, interspersed into a fictional plot. And I just, I just went for it, just threw the jokes everywhere and just leaned right into it. So we'll see how it does. If I can, you know, if, and when I get it out, but um, those are some things that have changed, I guess, over the course of the last 10 years, right? It's like something comes up and, you know, with this new Vela, it kind of inspired me a year ago to jump in and I was, ha I was having a rough patch. I was having trouble with inspiration and then Vela came out and, you know, you, you almost can, since you're publishing one episode at a time, you almost get that little dopamine hit of completion yeah. with each episode. So it drives you and then you get the reads and stuff. So you're like, wow, you know, people are following along, they're enjoying it. So you know, I've got to get the next episode out. So I don't know. I've been, I've been enjoying it, you know? That's awesome. And I mean, you and Thorne are similar too. like, he's been doing the thing too, where he's been putting more comedy in his work and he's just been having a blast, you know? Yeah. Um, and you mentioned something else too. You know, you talked about how you're putting more of your own life and your stories. And it's funny you say that. Cause like, I, I feel like some idiot speeding down my street on oh, a motorcycle okay. or something. Um, <laughs> I feel like with our, with your, most people with their first book, they put way too much of themselves in it. Exactly. And it's yeah. really obvious, but yeah. then you kind of get away from that. But I'm kind of in that same place too, where I'm like now, like there are some things in my life that have happened and stuff that I want to address in fiction and put mm -hmm. myself more into some characters. And I feel like I'm much more, prepared to do that now because when you do that early on like i have one book early on where i went all in on that yeah and um and, but i feel like i could do it so much better now and it, it would it would be a reflection of me but not so much so where it was like 
I would be like, so it'd be so near and dear to me and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I exactly know what you're saying. And, and, and I kind of did that maybe in the beginning too. Like I put some of me in there. I think everybody I really, does. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a, 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 I guess a trope in the, in the author world. Right. So, yeah. but um, I got away from it, just like you're saying. And then I think it was almost a one, two punch uh, for me when the pandemic hit, you know, and everything kind of went crazy. Um, I was having trouble with inspiration. Everybody was home in the house all day. Um, so I did a short story collection, which was kind of a bucket list thing I wanted to do. But uh, my point is I, I threw, I just kind of, you know, took down the guardrails and just threw a lot of me into those stories. And then I just, I don't know, and then Vela happened and I started doing it more and it just became a cathartic experience for me um, and also kind of reinvigorated me where I was having trouble before. So yeah, just like you're saying, I swung back around from not putting a lot of my life into things to, hey, the hell with it. I'm going to throw myself right in there, you know? Now, which parts are me and which aren't, I won't say, but <laughs> I'll leave That's that to fair. people's guesses, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's been a blast. And it's, you know, because there's a lot of people, you know, again, talk about the 10 years, right? Like every once in a while, I'll just remember somebody like, oh, what happened to this author I used to see around or I had some correspondence with? And you'll look and, you know, they're either still around, but they switch genres or you just lost track of them or they're just gone. Like they haven't put out anything in five years. And, you know, I guess if you want to do it, then you will do it. You'll just keep on keeping on. Right. So there's, there's people that are still here from back then. And then there's people that moved on and, and found something else, you know? So. Well, I feel like a lot of that comes down to why people are doing it. Like, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of easier things you can do to make a hell of a lot more money. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so I, I, I think a lot of people get into it for that and then they get burnt out and, yeah, you know, um, that's fine. Those people can leave, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Or you find new ways to be inspired. I guess that's my point, right? It's like, <laughs> how can I twist this? Like, I'm I'm feeling fried. So what can I do to to kind of get re inspired? You know, and I don't know. So in in a backwards way, the pandemic and Vela and different things just kind of like contributed to me, like you know, lit the lit the fire under me for, <laughs> for whatever it's worth. How are you feeling about Vela? Because I know. Um... Uh, so, you know, some people there's, there's several, there's a whole channel dedicated to it in Jay's mastermind. And it seems like, uh, from what I'm gathering from people there, it seems like it's kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe kind of hit the, the end of its run from or it's headed there, you know, the right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, you know, I found, I found some readers. It's not like a huge, uh, revenue stream for me, but it, it's, it is like, it's giving me something and it's almost allowing me pr to produce the books and paying for the cost of producing them, which is kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, but I do know, you know, cause I'm in a couple of Facebook groups for Bella and stuff. I do know there's people that are pulling in like thousands of dollars every month from the, the bonuses that Amazon's given yeah. out. And I feel like I've even seen somebody that had like five figure bonuses, um, for a month for Vela. So I know the money's there, you know, it's kind of just another cool way that some people are, are really, you know, finding a nice revenue stream. Um, so I haven't, it hasn't blown me away, but it's definitely, like I said, inspired me. Plus it's kind of like, it's almost paying for my editing as I go. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> so that, that's been kind of cool. That's what I was going to say. I think that's the cool thing about the way you're looking at it is you're not really there for the money. I mean, you want that obviously, but like, I, I feel like a lot of people jumped on it because they just thought it was going to be this cash cow and they're, they're there for the bonuses, but like, it has inspired you and you're like, man, I really like writing this way, getting this instant feedback. 
And, and at the end of it, you're ending up with a book, which is the same thing you ended up what you were going to end up with anyway. Yeah. And yeah. so I think because of the way you're looking at it, you're probably just not getting as burnt out as some of these other people are. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It kind of kept me going at a moment when I needed it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so like, in, and, you know, other than Bella, I mean, and this is kind of a load question, I guess, but I mean, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the last 10 years? Oof. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of, you know, reviewing that too. Like I said, I was looking at different things and uh, I've got notes here. Cause I was like, yeah, what's, what's been changing. You know, and, <laughs> Not, you came, yeah. pre- you're, I, I came nothing, prepared. So I'm glad I did my homework. Right. Yeah. I yeah, literally I, I, took, no, I have nothing for this. And I normally don't, but I was just looking through like all the changes. Like it's like, you know, even from a marketing standpoint, like in the beginning you had the perma-free, right. And then KU got introduced in like 2014, I think. And then, you know, there was the 99 cent box set thing. Um, and then there was, at one point I was doing a strategy where it was um, a perma-free box set, right? So I had like contamination zero to three was totally free. And then the follow-on books were paid. And then, um, you know, then there's a 99 cent box sets in KU, which I'm still kind of doing um, primarily because of the audio. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like, you know, again, things are always changing, right? I'm just kind of, there's, these are all the cycles of things that have been in and out. Um, so you kind of have to progress with them and keep an eye on what's working and how to get your stuff out there. But I feel like now um, for like, uh, I guess I'm talking about post-apoc because that's the genre I'm primarily in. Um, it seems like people are having success with launching at full price, doing KU, uh, and maybe doing like the brand ads through AMS. And I'm actually not doing that. I'm still kind of on the box sets because uh, one of the biggest changes I've seen to, to a long-winded way to answer your question is that over the last couple of years, I've seen that my audio has kind of overthrown my ebook sales, which I didn't realize at first. And when I did, I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> so, and, and I don't know that I'm typical of everybody because everybody's path is different and everybody, you know, uh, but for me, audio has really grown over the past couple of years um, to the point where, you know, I'm kind of looking at ebooks like some of that, like the 99 cent box sets, I'm looking at is feeding my audio, like upselling to the audio because audio has become a big part of my business now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, another thing too is like, you know, with, with those, with those box sets too, like with the eBooks, I mean, you are, you're also, I'm, I'm sure you're getting a lot of page reads. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yes. which, yep. which is obviously a big part of that too. Like it's a lot easier to be at that 99 cents with the, the, the old, you know, one thing you didn't mention, you, you mentioned K, KU, but you know, the page reads didn't come in for a couple of years. Like I, I'm, I remember that. That's right. That's I right. remember That's when right. it went from like, yeah, yeah. Units, you know, and yep. um, I think people had to get through like 10% of your book for it to count or something like that. Yeah. You got paid by the borrow. I know there was a period of time where people were writing a lot of things, but really short. Mm-hmm. Um, And I never really tried to jump into that. Like that felt like kind of a, I don't know. I just did my thing basically. I, I guess. did too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. know any bear at the time, but it, I mean, it worked for me because I remember my borrow numbers the first month at the empty buys came out were crazy. I was like, yeah, yeah. Holy crap. Like this many people are re- <laughs> I yeah. think, I think, I think the bar, like there was a ton of sales too, but I think it also had like 2,500 borrows or something. Wow. Yeah. It was something crazy. I was like, holy crap, man. Um, pressure's on. So, but, um, but yeah, and I, but I was the same way. I always just kind of did my thing, you know, but, um, 
but yeah, man, like when you, when you find those things that work, it's kind of hard to go away from that. I mean, you and I have talked about that because, um, you know, not too long ago, I tried a new strategy, like after getting a book bub of like pricing and stuff. And that worked for me, you know, but like it was for, I was like, man, this is kind of scary to try, but, uh, it really paid off for me, you know? So sometimes you gotta try new things, but like sometimes if something's working, it's not broken, then like who cares what everybody else is doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to find your own path. Right. So that's, you know, whatever works, but, um, but yeah, I mean, other changes too, like I said, audiobook growth, KU, of course. And then I think just the building of a community, right? Like it was, you know, like everyone always says, it was the wild west back in the early, you know, 2010, 2011, you know, everyone was figuring things out. There, There just wasn't much information to go around. And now you've got, you know, all sorts of podcasts and, you know, summits and this and that and 20 books of 50 K and, you know, uh, the self-publishing um, show and writers Inc and every, you know, there's so many resources out there for people that you can find an answer to your question. Uh, probably find a lot of answers, right. And you have to figure out what, what works best say, for you. It can but be overwhelming. Yeah. You know? It can be overwhelming, but there's so many more tools too, like book funnel and, yeah. you know, book report and all these things that like, none of that existed back then. I mean, I remember just sitting in my cubicle and, in like 2012 and listening to the, the self-publishing podcast and listening to get these guys talk. And I was like, man, this is just crazy. Like I've got to do this. And it just felt like way. this really, it's <laughs> L- like a secret to the club. Same podcast. Yeah. yeah. I was like a secret club. Like I'd listen to it on break at work or, or not on break. And I can say that now because it's been nine years. I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Or, or writing a couple chapters in the office there in a conference room. I did that too. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so it was just, again, it was the wild west and, we were just finding our way and it was exciting for that reason, but things, you know, so now it's more competitive, but there's more resources, if that makes sense. So, you know. Yeah. It's, and, and I think too, I think that, uh, you know, something, it is more competitive, but also there's also, there, there, it's not just more competitive against books. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, cause I, I know this is what you're saying. I'm not saying this, but like, Cause I know you'll probably agree like other, I don't really see other books as competition. No, so, nah, I know really. you don't either. For You're authors, just saying there's yeah. more books for people to choose from on Kindle, but yeah, yeah. going beyond that 10 years ago, I mean, look at all, like you didn't have all the streaming services we have now. You don't have, you know, all the, I mean, that's with everything. I mean, move shows, video games have streaming services. There's all this social media that didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah, TikTok, yeah. like that's, that's what we're really we actually were talking about this in writers inc today um the episode that comes out the day before this show and um you know jay and uh, our guest carter wilson were talking about like is are we nearing the tipping point of books Hmm. like and and not that people aren't going to consume stories but will they still consume them as books and are people so into these other things like tv and all this that like books are just going to get lost in the shuffle and it's a legit i mean i don't think so but yeah there's still like more distractions come up all the time yeah 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 we're competing for with other entertainment and i guess what i was saying for attention attention yeah yeah Yeah, with all these yeah exactly with people have the same amount of time in a day and they have way more options of things to do right so it's and i guess i met with the competition too like again back in the day you could have kind of a cover that you made you know in uh, Microsoft paint or something. I'm being funny, but you know what I mean? And now, and now you, you've got to up your game and you've got to make things look professional. And so from that standpoint, 
you know, you've got to really yeah. step Which it up. I'm happy it's like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it makes it better for the reader too, you know? So it does. It makes it better for everybody involved, yeah. you know? And it, and it keeps out, that also keeps out the people who like don't want to be professional, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I have these conversations all the time with people. They're like, well, I can't afford to get a cover or whatever. It's like, well, then maybe don't publish a book until you can. And I don't mean to be like, there's, or, or don't publish, don't, don't, let me rephrase that. Don't ask for people's money. There's other ways you can put your work out there if you just want people to read it. Yeah. But yeah, like, sure. and, and I know like some people are going to say, oh, that comes from a place of privilege or whatever. But no, I mean, like, you have to remember that at the end of the day, I mean, it, when, this is, if, if you really want to do this and ask, if you're doing this and you're asking for people's money, you got to treat it like a business. It's, it's like it's, it could still technically be a hobby, but like you got to be a little bit of a pro and it doesn't, at the end of the day, like this business does not cost that much money. It doesn't, it doesn't cost that much money to get an editor and get a cover made. Like, um, again i know some people might disagree but like i always think about my buddy who wanted to start brewing his own coffee and selling that to people and before he could even yeah. like roast his first bag of coffee he had to spend thirty thousand dollars yeah like, yeah <laughs> yeah so many other businesses they've got a ton of expenses and you know even the music right it's like for me to create a book i just have to get up and go down to my either my basement dungeon or my kitchen table or wherever and, and just open the computer and write. But if I want to go and play a show, I've got to coordinate with four other guys. We've got to lug the gear. We've got to, yeah. you know, make the merch and coordinate with this and coordinate with the promoter. And yeah, there's just so much less overhead. It's, it yeah. feels like for this, um, it's a simpler business, you know, and I don't know. So for that reason, I like it <laughs> too. <laughs> well, man, um, it's a good conversation. Good to have you on again. I'm sure you'll come on again at some point. As long uh, as I beat Jay Thorne, I got to beat him for a third. Appearance I'll try to get you. Um, <laughs> I just want to see you beat Jay Thorne. That actually, right, I just well, really want to see that. So, all right, <laughs> I think that'd be pretty funny. But uh, yeah. no, maybe next. I'll, I'll try to. Ha I'll try to get you on before him next. I, I tell you what, I need to do is have you both on. Well, there we go. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Even though that could be a disaster. Yeah, we could roast each other or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can roast me, but um. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like, anything specific you want to tell people about? Like, I know you mentioned the the live again stuff, like whatever. Yeah, so live again uh, is out now. It's on Vela as a serial, or the first book's out on Amazon, and in Kindle Unlimited. Uh, and then the band stuff, uh, the band I mean, is called With Honor. Uh, it's on Spotify and all that stuff. And we've got a record coming out on Pure Noise. Um, I'm assuming it's some some point in the next year or so, but we'll be recording that in May 2022 next month. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff. And the contamination box set is out on. Audio oh yeah, too. it's uh yeah, complete series is now in audio as of today. So nice. yeah, it's thirty four hours long, I believe. Nice, nice. So, so that, that's yeah. a good way to spend your credit. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with me again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, for having me on. Awesome. Talk to you later, bro. All right. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community where fellow Creator Dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. 
Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.